This is A Sound Purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Episode 23 brings you Mutton Chops, Brit Pop, a now solo troubadour, and Gaz Coombs' 2015 release, Matador. Here we are. Gaz Coombs, 2015 album, Woo! Matador. It was his second release. I'm so excited to do this episode. I've got many surprises for you both. It's going to be insane. Jake, how do? Do what? Mmm, Bob. Hansel. So hot right now. Hansel. So hot right now. Brendan is joining us, our vocal correspondent. No, our pop correspondent. Brendan, our pop correspondent, is joining us today to talk about an album I'm gathering that he really dearly quite loves. Hello, Brendan. Hello, Stefan. Um, it's an album, um, and I've listened to it before. Giving nothing away. I love it. Okay. Let's not waste any more time whilst the internet is kind of working. Deep yeah. breath, deep breath, deep breath. Matador by Gaz Coombs was released in January 2015. It was an album that I avoided completely until December 2015 through fear of just, you know, it was Gaz Coombs, lead singer of Supergrass. Could he go out on his own? I wasn't sure. I was, needless to say, I was absolutely blown away. And we'll go into that in more detail when we go through songs. This is the second solo record for Gaz Coombs. And like I say, he'd spent the better part of two decades fronting Britpop icons Supergrass. A really gracious guy. He sat down and spoke with us at a sound purchase, even recording a short message of support for my GCSE students, which was quite touching. I shared it with them this week. They have no idea who he is. <laughs> of course, I mean, of course. I... Yeah. I, I, I put in a whole bunch of music as well so that they could see like all right and sun hits the sky and so on. He recorded nearly all of the instruments himself and I asked him about the process. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, it just the, the, the immediacy and, and the spontaneity of, of putting down the ideas. So in, 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 in a way it was, it was writing and recording at the same time. So there'd be a, you know, something would come along like a drumbeat or just a little loop on something. And then I'd go and sit at the piano to write alongside that loop. You know, I just let it leave it playing in the speakers and I just sort of sit and write on the piano. But I'd always kind of get to the habit of micing it up and putting that in a session. So I think the facts would build up with a lot of these kind of first takes and a lot of these kind of exploratory sort of ideas. Um, and then, yeah, keep loads of that. Keep loads of that. I mean, obviously kind of, make notes of the sounds and, and how I got the sounds that so if I needed to, if I needed to sort of patch anything up or, or if the idea changed, you know, as far as the part, you know, I could, I could go back and, and, um, and drop it in. But in the main, just keeping a lot of those early tapes and those, you know, the ideas close to sort of conception, you know, and the performances close to that, that time, I think that sort of gives it an edge, you know, it's like when you don't really know quite what you're doing yet. And I find that really exciting. Coombs found himself forming a routine when recording the album and found that this helped him to keep focus. He also mentioned the influence of Ian Davenport, the co-producer. When I started on Matador, working in my place, 
uh, down in the basement, I started recording a lot of Matador. Um, that was when I sort of got onto the the rhythm of sort of a week at my place and then a week over at Courtyard Studio, which is where Ian works, uh, which is just down the road in Oxford. So I do a week of mine, a week over there, then to sort of keep keep that sort of rhythm going, which is brilliant because at, at, at my place, I kind of experiment a lot and just do lots of manic recording, quite chaotic. And then I go to courtyard, and then we'd sort of just sit and work it out and, and, and work out these ideas. He was—he's just a brilliant, you know. He's—he's he's got great taste settings, you know, which I always find is just the most important when working with an engineer and a producer. Is somebody who you trust, you know. To so I'll—I'll I'll play him an idea in a very sort of skeletal form, and and if I see the right expression on his face, or or he just or he goes fuck, you know. Worth it. so it's, it's like uh, it's been a great relationship, yeah, and, and even it works carried on, you know, progressing and evolving for world's strongest man, and um, so yeah, yeah, he's 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 amazing. We work really well together. Yeah. All right, Brendan, what do, what do you think of this album? As uh, or how did you come across this album? Rather, I think I specifically came across it. I remember specifically coming across it when I was going to see a show and I, when I lived in London in 2015. I was going to go and see a John Cooper Clark and uh, the lead singer from the specials, who I can't remember. I was going to go see them uh, in Camden and uh, walked out of the Camden station and their gigantic Matador poster was up against this kind of long, long side of this building with the with the album art, you know, him doing his his pose with the hand and <laughs> black and white picture. I was like, Oh shit, Gaz Coombs. Um, that's, that's Gaz Coombs. There, there he is. And I was with my friend and she kind of told me about it. And, and, and that was it really went home that night. And I think maybe at that time, maybe one of the singles was out or something. I, I can't remember, but kind of held fire. And then when it came out, I just kind of delved into it from, from then it was, um, yeah, it was a really important album for me at that time. Just, it really hit me kind of immediately. Uh, I think like the first, the first instant it starts, I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is exactly what I need right now. This is exactly the kind of music I want to hear." And and I just kind of fell in love with it. I, 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 I can't remember if, yeah, it must have been right. Inherent Vice was twenty fourteen, so that song that he did, he lent his guitar to on on the soundtrack, came out and. I think I I didn't really know that he was in, like that way inclined musically. Mm. I, I guess you know I, again all all I'd ever known was Supergrass, um, and and throughout the years Supergrass did get a bit more experimental and what have you. But but yeah, when this came out, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is exactly this feels right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. absolutely. I think I think he hit a real peak of maturity in his songwriting, in his playing, and so on. Mm. I mean, Jake. I mean, we were living in Brighton at the time and Brighton was just peppered in posters of Gaz Coombe's face, just like Brendan was saying. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, he was doing, um, he was playing there as well. Where was he playing? The, um, he did a, the old, he did a um, massive, the old marketplace. Yeah, massive gig at the old market and then a solo gig a few months later at Comedia. Mm. Yeah. I didn't yeah. go to either and I really um, so regret yeah, it. It was kind of a combination Mm. It was a, no, I did. I don't think we could afford it. Possibly, you were a student, and I was living with a bunch of students, making rubbish cost of money. Yeah. So yeah. we had no money. Yeah, you know? exactly. 
But yeah, I think it was the combination of the album being out and the fact that he was doing two gigs in relatively quick succession that just, mm. yeah, his face was... Mm. Um, mm. I remember the big posters up in Resident and mm. like in that part of Hove where the old market is. Um, there probably would have been some in the lanes, you know, for the Comedia one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how we both came about it at the same time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and uh, apparently he used to live in Brighton as well. Yeah, he did for, for quite some time. Oh, really? Before we went, uh, before we went back to Oxford, yeah. Hmm. I think part of it as well, part of the reason that maybe we, we got into this album is obviously we used to play in a band with Wheels, um, <laughs> who looks uh, not overly dissimilar. Wheels and the leg man. To, uh, like if he'd grown out the sideburns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Wheels had grown his sideburns, he'd have you know, been the spitting image. Not, well, not quite, but very similar face. Very similar. Like, so much so that if he had sideburns, you saw him walking towards you in the street, you'd kind of double take and then you'd be like, oh no, it's not him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we were in the early stages of our funky hip hop white boy band, and we were we were at that point where you know we're coming up with nicknames for each other, sort of thing. And I was starting to call the guy that would eventually become known as Wheels. I was starting to call him Gaz, and he could never figure out why until I actually showed him a picture of Gaz Coombs. And he said something along the lines of, oh, my God, I'm, like, looking in a mirror. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this this is a huge album for me. Like I say, 2015, I avoided it that whole year, just kind of writing it off. Oh, another band that's gone solo. I mean, we had um, Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher at it, and I was just saying this is very fashionable. And I really regret you know, spending 11 months of ignorance. I could have had 11 decent months of happy living. Instead, I was living in a cave. (laughs) Now, on that note, I have prepared a bit of a game show for you guys today. It's only only a short one. (gasps) Is it people who have lived in caves? Uh, No, very close. It is called Famous Oxonians. Oh, no. Now, our dearest Gaz Coombs, he said towards the end of the interview, he asked me to give Brighton a hug for him, which was really nice, actually. A bit difficult to give Brighton a hug right now. A bit difficult to give anybody a hug right now. But still, <laughs> I thought it was nice. If you want to hear the full interview, that will be on a soundpurchase.com. After this episode drops, you'll be able to hear the full unedited interview there. And I promise that I have slowed it back down because I sent it to Brendan for prep for this and it was very sped so it was up at like 50 percent it really wigged me out i was i don't know what was going on oh did you not know we just we just popped some angel dust beforehand yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow stefan is really excited to talk to this guy <laughs> i actually i was listening to it uh this morning like that and i thought yeah maybe i should very speed everything because i sound way more excited <laughs> as i'm talking yeah okay so famous oxonians this works, Jake, very similar to what we did last time. You get three chances to get this correct. Right. So I will give you a clue. Brendan, I'll start with you. I'll give you a clue. If you can't tell me that famous Oxonian, famous person from Oxford, then it will bounce over to Jake and he gets a chance to steal your points. The okay. clues get progressively easier and easier. Are we ready, chaps? Mm-hmm. Always. All yep. right. Brendan. This famous Oxonian was a featured vocalist on Pink Floyd's 1994 song, Keep Talking. 
Did you say I can have a clue? That was that was your clue. <laughs> That's the question. Well, well, we we yeah. You get more questions, I suppose. Okay, um, I'm 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 pass. I I don't know. Jake, this famous Oxonian was said to have been a reckless driver, once crashing and breaking his hip. It is even rumoured that he ran over Prince Charles's toes. Is it Stephen Hawking? Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Professor Stephen Hawking. Professor, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you got the hang of it now, Brendan? Yep. Okay, Jake. So that's two points for that's me, two right? Points so it's, for you. it's three points. Second, second clue is two, and then last clue is one point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Here we go, Jake. This famous Oxonian got his start writing for the Frost on Sunday under his pen name Gerald Wiley. Uh, is it Paxman? Oh, I'm sorry. Brendan, for two points. I don't know if he's from Oxford or not. I don't know. Okay. This famous Oxonian famously played both a shopkeeper and a prisoner in beloved UK television shows. Although his most beloved attracted 18 million viewers at its peak. Probably porridge and open all hours, right? Um... Is his name? Which Ronnie it was? <laughs> Ronnie Sullivan. <laughs> is, it, is, he a, is he a snooker player? That's the snooker player. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Oh my god. No, it was am not I, Irish snooker legend. Picked Ronnie O'Sullivan. Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do I do I give him another chance there, Jake? I mean, I'm kind of feeling bad for him at this point. I mean, no. No. I mean, don't. <laughs> Can I just guess without having another clue and get two points? Uh, no, you'll get one point. Or is that not how this is working? I'll give you one point. One point. Okay. Is it Ronnie Barker? <sighs> All right. I mean, I got, I got, I, I knew who it was. You know. <laughs> you got the shows. I mean, that I was, was that was mighty fine. I don't think I would have got them to be honest. Okay, All Brendan, right. your turn. Hmm. This famous Oxonian had his eyes set on becoming an Olympic rower before glandular fever forced him to stop training. Wow. Um, Ronnie Corbett. (laughs) (laughs) It'd have been a jockey, surely. (laughs) Yeah, I would have loved to have seen Ronnie Corbett actually rowing a boat. That would be... Okay, Jake then. Okay, two points. This famous Oxonian has released two Billboard chart-topping blues albums. Who's a British blues boy? Is it... Wait, only two? Only two. Um, Oh, I don't know. Is it... Is it is it Eric Clapton? 
Not our boy, Eric. No. For one mm. point, Brendan, you can start clawing it back. No, I, was, I think it... Mm. I can't think of any other kind of British blues boys. Um... This famous Oxonian paired up with fellow Blackadder actor Stephen Fry to form a well-known comedy duo. Oh, Hugh Laurie. All right. So smart. Misleading much, eh? (laughs) All right. Mm. This famous Oxonian, Jake, has been awarded the Triple Crown of Acting. Mm. Oscar, Tony and Emmy. Hey, isn't it Oscar, Tony, and Emmy? Yeah. Oh, God. Um... Who is it? The other one? Is it Stephen Fry? <laughs> no, he's got no Oscar. <laughs> I don't know. Brendan, this famous Oxonian was awarded a Damehood in 1990. Um, and they won an Oscar, a Tony as well, um, and an Emmy. I'm assuming Dame Hood is a woman. Well, I think so. I don't think. I, uh, do you know what? Honestly, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to just say. Um, um, What's that lady's name? I can't think of any names. Uh, Judy Dench. Mm. Jake. This famous Oxonian has recently starred in Downton Abbey and the Harry Potter franchise. Come on, Jake. I can't think of this one. Um... Maggie Smith. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, do I give him a point there? Because, you know, technically, if if this should be the Ben Kingsley approach, Jake. No. No. Hang on, I don't don't get it. He got got the question right, didn't he? No. He got got the question right, right, but it is Dame. Not this time. (laughs) Not this time. Oh, forget that. No way. If. Does she get funny about it in that. the same way that Ben does? No one gets funny about it in the same way that the Ben does. The level of disrespect I have for Ben, the, the lack of respect <laughs> I have for Ben Kingsley, by the way. I'm just going to call him Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Benny. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, next, next one. Last one for you, Brendan. This famous Oxonian has only recently turned to his craft to release his debut album. This famous Oxonian has only really only recently turned to his craft to release his debut album. This is a wild card guess. Uh, Bradley Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Jake. Despite being a member of a hugely influential 
rock band, alt rock band, sorry. This famous Oxonian teamed up with Kiwi Neil Finn. Damn it, I need to. Uh, and Eddie Vedder, I haven't got an Eddie Vedder thing, to perform the Seven Worlds Collide concerts. Um, I actually don't know the answer, so I don't know. Brendan, this famous Oxonian has been recognized and honored with his very oh. own Bender Stratocaster signature series. It's, I just, <laughs> I I just clocked who it was. I knew it, oh, I, I knew I, it before. I literally was just thinking about the album with Neil Finn. Yeah, I, even about that, I it's, that. It's got to be Edo if I'd Ryan, given, right? All right. Is, yeah. If I'd given myself an extra minute, I'd have got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and finally, Jake. This famous Oxonian has begun to move away from his roots and score films. Sorry, say that again. I got up to roots. Of course you did. Way out. Oh. Oh, no. I spent yesterday, I spent all of last night. Any of that after the way yeah. out. I spent all of last night cutting up that's what she said from the office. And so that I was just about to put that in there. But what what, what was the that's what she said? Yeah, yeah. Well, because you No no what was the that's you said what you she got said. caught up on roots. No 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 that's it, that's not what I said. Alright, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do that one again then, Jake. Not not the joke, but the yeah. This famous Oxonian has begun to move away from his roots and score films. Well, is it Johnny Greenwood? <sighs> All right. Final tally then. Final tally. We have Jake on seven and Brendan on two. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm playing for anyone this week, though. Sorry, uh, audience. Nobody wins anything. And, and funnily enough, this week we had a million pounds in cash. Yeah. Mm, shame. The real game. We'll just have to keep it. We're going to burn it in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Full on Joker style. Heroes, you're in the KLF. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, shall we? Shall we take a listen to the superset then? Shall we? Or shall we take a listen to Matador by Gaz Coombs?
on? Okay, is it on? Is it on? Okay, is it on? Is it on? Okay, is it on? Fantastic. I'm not saying we should do an entire stream of just us doing that for like 45 <laughs> minutes or something, but I'm not saying we shouldn't. <laughs> uh, what, what you've missed there, dear listener, is all of us finding the most nerdy things that we can find in our, in our rooms and parading them across like a Santa parade across the screen. I think Jake won, generation to game. be honest. Yeah. Sorry? I think you won. Did I win? Yeah. yeah. Was, it, was it Ecto 1? Or was it Evil Knievel? Are you ki- are you actually it- kidding me? I had a clanger, a Gengar, and a, a Chewbacca bobblehead. I don't know how <laughs> yeah, that's. I had a tape measure, and I was doing this. Yeah, no, I, that is yeah. the original. That is the original yeah. nerds toy. <laughs> no, I was I was impressed with the with the little Tie Fighter, personally. Okay, well let's let's dive into it. First track on the album is called Buffalo. Right off the bat, this is an interesting record with some awesome awesome buffalo production work <sighs> really <laughs> buffalo is this is this going to be like you calling asia by stealing adja <laughs> it's called adja yeah or like like it's a soft change should be aya aya <laughs> <laughs> i i believe they pronounce it jogging <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry sorry i'm, I'm interrupting that's okay Carry on. don't get me started if, if i start quoting will ferrell that's it i'm gone i'm lost audrey look at me the panning of the loop and piano at the beginning of buffalo Buffalo. if i can find it <laughs> I'm going to be nerding out on all of the intros to these songs because I think he said it at the beginning of the show in that clip from the interview. That's, which, that's fair which, enough because they're all Yeah, You can hear the full good. interview at asoundpurchase.com. But he said what he'd do is he'd get a loop and he'd just start, he'd play the loop on repeat. He'd loop the loop and he would uh, sit at the piano and just play it and you can hear that happening almost in real time in this. There's an awesome glitch halfway through the first verse as well. It's almost like it's lifted straight from like a hip hop tune. Really like that. And there's there's a few things on here that are really hip hop oriented actually. I'm uh, I'm also a really big fan of him using like sampler pads in the live shows and with a mixture of sample pads and live drums. And of course, our Lord and Savior also does this uh, to quite quite a strong effect. Peter Gabriel uses this technique a lot and I'm just desperate to be in a band that has sample pads and live drums at the same time. I think 
we we twisted Tony's arm into getting some for Christmas one year, and then we broke the band up. And then we never used yeah, them. Yeah, so that that's mm. about as close as I got. <laughs> All I was going to say there is is listening in is that they're switching between the pads and the live drums. I love like that choral, it's a choral simp thing going on. I love it. Yeah. It's like such a good sound. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just back, just the, that chorus, just the chorus in general. Love the, the way it resolves, the kind of nice optimistic feel to the re- resolution of it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got a it. note on that. And also, Jake, leading into that chorus with the, the choral part, there's also like a reverse piano, which is something that we've talked about quite a bit so far. Mm. Awesome. Anyone else get very big massive attack vibes from this one? Hmm. Yeah. That's just me. That that kind of trip hop sort of thing, right? Not really. I, I um like, I feel like when it first kicked in, I just wanted to kind of go, love, love is a thing. I think like genre wise it's all over the place, but I got a very proggy vibe from the chorus. Um, Froggy, yeah. uh, King Crimson, I just heard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just in the way that it, I, there's something about the drums. There's something about the guitar. I, I kind of immediately put an, um, in the court of the Crimson King. That song. Wow. I was like, oh, yeah, I, this, I this hadn't even really like considered any of that. That's awesome. Actually, it's especially those, the drums in particular. Yeah, the drums. Are very, uh, uh, um, even. Uh, it, it, yeah, very, very King Crimson vibes there. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's intentional. It was might, might just be the way I, I heard it, but um, yeah, got a well, very... what, what what I find interesting about that is uh, that the the King Crimson side of things, like um, the sorry, the drums. I'm trying to plug my phone in, and it's causing me nightmares. I don't think Take char- your time, buddy. Oh, there we go. It's charging now. I was thinking like I've plugged it in like twenty times. That was a dangerous game. Were you recording? Were you doing all that without without your phone plugged in? That is no, a- I had it plugged in, but it wasn't charging. And oh. I was wondering if Zoom is like oh. buggering it up for the charge. I get the feeling that Gaz Coombs is playing the drums on this and it's the way that he's playing it is that it's like it's not a trained drummer playing, if that makes sense. It's very choppy. And I kind of like that. I kind of like the looseness of the drums. And oh yeah, yeah. It just it's screaming out. You know, having having been playing re- really with trained drummers recently, it's just screaming out someone that kind of knows what they're doing but kind of doesn't. After the chorus, there's a sneaky little sub uh, sub bass coming in. That's possibly my favorite part of the whole song. Just that little rumbling synth mm. bass. There's a couple of that, like throughout, throughout the record, like a couple of little kind of sounds before a chorus or like mm. one, one note change on a guitar that leads you in. Yeah, just like a little pick me up. Cool. They're brilliant. Yeah. Alongside, there's some cheeky little drum fills there as well. Again, just choppy, not very trained. 
but he lands on the one, so it's all okay. During the second verse, Coombs adds some boo beeps to continually engage the listener. Did you catch that? That was that was a pretty quick one. Oh no. It's little boo beeps in the background. Mm, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's it's just another texture, another layer to the texture to keep us listening. In the final chorus, mm. there's a wobbly scatty synth, which I found really, really interesting. Then we head to, into the final riff, a drop D acoustic guitar playing a new riff we haven't heard before. This riff releases all of the pent-up tension of the song, something you were talking about earlier, Jake, with the chorus especially. It mm. gives the listener a moment to catch their breath and ultimately... I think it completely sticks the landing of that song, just drives it in, landing the plane. Really brilliant because we're about to head into an even more tension with the next song. Ultimately, mm. before we do, I'd say, the cho yeah, choice of instrumentation on this mm. one. Like, it would have been really easy to do like a really big driving guitar and big stuff. What, what he's done on just the acoustic guitar, a bit of synth bass and some drums. And uh, I think there's a synth as well, isn't there? Yeah. Perfect, absolutely perfect instrumentation on it. Yeah, well, and it's it's like Pub has always said to us, you know, too much distortion doesn't actually make it sound bigger. You know, usually if you're using cleaner guitars, that still that makes it sound a lot bigger than it needs to be, or than it than it can be rather. Yeah, but but Josh Josh Smith of uh, JHS says that more loud is more, more is more. So uh, just science. Take that, pubber. <laughs> yeah. Shit. <laughs> so ultimately, this song, for me, mixes the best of both worlds for <laughs> an album opener. Like we've discussed in the previous episode, we have subdued nature of the verse. We were talking about um, Sparkle Horse and the album opener just being nice and gentle. Mm. So we have that kind of subdued gentleness in the verse, negating the higher tropes of energy from the outset. Yet in the chorus, we do get that dynamic lift and energetic moments that keep us completely, completely engaged. I like how he sings, buffalo, buffalo. There's just the way that he kind of sings the second buffalo quickly, almost. It's, mm. it's, it's, I know, it sounds like he needs to get it out, which I really like. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he's singing two words with one breath, which I, I think that's quite cool. All right, then let's round out buffalo. If my internet was better, we're going to have to start live streaming these because Brendan was just full on doing the Jermaine Flight of the Concords, miming the bass in the uh, title sequence before. <laughs> okay, the next song then is 2020. I'd just say the opening of this song, when I first heard it, I thought he was saying Bud Light and sitting around in the sun. Huh. And, um, and he's not. 
and I'm now really disappointed every time I hear it. <laughs> Quite like that lyric, actually. Yeah. Jot that one down, Jake. I, I will. That's that's I will. different enough. I have. Yeah. It's on my notes. I'm looking at it okay. now. Okay. This is the first song that I actually <laughs> heard off this Sorry. off this album. I had a really light day in school and I was running out of things to do. I decided to check the end of year playlist. I was a trainee teacher at the time. On Came 2020 is one of the top 10 songs of the year, apparently. This might have been Resident, even. And I had just, I I heard it. I was blown away by it. And I had to listen to the entire album. And then, then and there, it was just, I, I spent like 40 minutes just enthralled by this album. I went out as soon as that three o'clock bell rang. I was like pushing the kids out the way to get to Resident quick enough to go and purchase the album. Disclaimer, I don't push kids curious. out the way. I, 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 yeah. yeah. I've put, um, there's something that persists throughout my notes. It's like this spooky fairy tale, nursery rhyme kind yeah. of sounds. It's yeah, yeah. The, the twinklings and the clangings. And there's, there's something just really creepy and, and uh, about this, but also I've put that the ARP is really soothing in mm. this track. Mm. Um, I've, I've mentioned the, ar- the arpeggiator. Yeah. I've just said, um, basically my notes are basically take the, take the vocals out. And boom, you're at Aperture Science. This is just the music from Portal. Oh, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn it, I haven't got my Aperture Science T-shirt on today. No, no, you've got your got Sky my Skynet one, one on. So yeah, but I didn't have the uh, didn't have the. Yeah, uh, I've I, got an Aperture Science one. Yeah, I think it's a great track. I, I I call it an anthem. It just it's just an anthem. Oh, it's it's huge. Yeah, this is the this is the first one where I've just written in big words. Reminds me of Radiohead when the the full band comes in. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's the first of many where I've just written that. Yeah, uh, it's funny you say take the vocals off. I was instantly taken back by the contrary motion in the introduction, the playing backwards on the piano. For those that are unaware, contrary motion is when you play the piano with both hands, but one hand, like your left hand, is ascending in pitch, whilst the other is descending simultaneously, so you're like playing a mirror image. But light is sitting around Now that I listen to it, I don't think it was actually contribution. That's Bud. That's that's Bud Light sitting around in the sun. Light. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I need now you've heard it. You'll never unhear it. <laughs> Damn you! In the pre-chorus, there was a another buzzy sub-bass synth. Really like that. I'd especially like the the way that it comes in all glitchy and mm. stuff. So I mean, no, it's like it's it's a fairy, it's a fairy tale, spooky. It's really spooky, and it's yeah, there's something ethereal about it. It's, it's yeah, it is spooky. And n- need I remind you that this came out in 2015, but he's talking about 2020. <gasps> bum bum bum. <gasps> Yeah, it's like he knew all along. That's probably why he was so nice in the interview because he was just sitting there thinking, "You idiots!" I tried to warn you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he chose poorly. So the chorus is absolutely wide open and tension-free, with the first like uh, of a group of female singers backing up. Guys, this seems to be quite a theme across the album of having like female backing singers lifting him up, very Pink Floyd and 
well, pre- very everyone really. Yeah, awesome. I really love the lyric. Um, I take the hurricane for you. It's just lovely. Yeah, I, he's he's pretty damn pretty damn good with his lyrics. So that will come up in a couple of songs. Kaz briefly mentioned what it was like to hear the backing singers for the first time when I when I spoke to him. I think getting the getting the backing vocals on that track, getting the girls' backing vocals on was was a big moment. That was that was really kind of lifted it. After the wide open chorus, though, he immediately slaps the tension straight back on. During the second verse, there is another layer added, almost an inverted drone keyboard above his falsetto vocals. And that's just adding to the atmosphere, like you say, Brendan, making it even more spooky. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, His vocals there at the end of that clip really remind me of my friend Stuart Warwick, who put out an album around the same time called The Butcher's Voice, has a really softly spoken falsetto kind of beautifully angelic voice. Friend of the show, Stuart Warwick there. He did, um, Jake, do you remember when we did that massive recording session with Wheels? And we did one of those songs and there was some, oh, yeah, some yeah. backing vocals on there. I was really pleased that he came and did some vocals for me. And then they move into another open chorus. And this is where you guys say it sounds like Radiohead. They introduce the band for the first time and we get to hear the big chorus and this is where it all just comes together. Nice. I have not got any more notes for this one. Let's round out um, 2020 then. We yeah, yeah. The next song, the third song is The English Ruse. Shortly before this record came out, I fell madly for the band The War on Drugs. I really got into their kind of atmospheric two chord songs, very much like this. Jake, that probably brings back a lot of memories because I'm pretty th- pretty sure I was thrashing that around the flat at the time. Quite pro- probably, yeah. yes. Yes, you um, 
So it was this song that really, truly made me yes. fall yes. for this album. We talk a lot about uh, like the sit-up song, the song that makes you sit up in your chair and actually start actively listening to the album. This is probably the one where I was just, I was hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. There are two chords and a driving rhythm that really get me hooked in this song. There are more vocals with backing vocals again. To join two verses together, there's this really cool little hiccup in the rhythms and the beat almost skips. I really like that. I think that's a really neat kind of compositional yeah, device so strange and cool yeah 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 i think that's um that's the synth equivalent of a bass slide <laughs> right <laughs> yeah everyone knows the bass slide is one of the most powerful compositional tools you have for transitioning from <laughs> one section to another the only tool isn't it uh, arguably <laughs> arguably <laughs> it's it's never a bad choice to have a bass slide as a transition it's like having like star wipe <laughs> Star wipe is always the best wipe, <laughs> yeah. But you kind of you can't use it every time, right? Mm. And the bass slide is the same. It's a powerful tool, but it's it's an easy tool to misuse. Mm-hmm. With great power comes great responsibility. And that little that little pickup thing that's that's the synth equivalent of the bass slide. <laughs> There is uh, some really cool cutoff action happening at the end of the verse as well. And another massive, big open chorus. Really love it. And the great dynamic work as well to kind of keep generating that interest. There is an inverted pedal or drone at the top of the verse vocals. On top of the verse vocals, sorry. It's like an old disco trick to have the high strings in the background. Really nice. After the second chorus, there's an angelic choir section. The choir is a perfect backdrop for the aural bait and switch that is about to take place. My favorite part. 
the band enters and we get the mm. fuzziest guitar freak out. Uh, which I did actually ask Gaz about. When you start playing around with the compression and the jive, you can actually sort of hit a note and then you can kind of sweep it. So it kind of goes like, you know, you can sort of sweep it a bit like a kind of, uh, like a synth filter or something. Um, but yeah, just it was that, into the pedal, then direct death, so no amp. And then just, just yeah, just I think I just did two or three takes and, and then sort of kind of put something together so it wasn't sort of fully, fully live, but it was kind of, um, yeah, the most bonkers uh, sounds that I could uh, try and get out of this pedal. And I can confirm for you that even though you can't see the interview, he was holding up a hand-painted Zvex fuzz, fuzz factory. So I'll let the, nice. uh, I'll let the fuzzy freak out. Take us out on this song. That is just fantastic. <sighs> okay. I I absolutely adore that part. That just makes it for me. The next song then is The Girl Who Fell to Earth. Gaz Coombs is such a sly devil that continually hooks me in with these uh, looped introductions. Such a sly devil. It just hooks me in, man. The guitar enters with a crushed snare drum. It's all just very, very, very subtle. We often talk about little mistakes that make the music human. In this case, the low E guitar string is played too hard and it makes like a little, little bit of a pop. In the refrain, there is a synth brass line that builds and builds. It's hard to see, it's not enough when you're blinded by computer love. Just keeps building. Really, really nice. And then in the second verse, there is some synth strings that really provide a nice kind of counter melody to everything.
when I when I spoke to Gez, he had this to say about the song. Usually, though, that sort of little goofy sort of like shit. That's that's good. That sort of happens. A bit, that happens a bit earlier. I think probably when I wrote the lyric, when I wrote the lyrics, and especially the line when I wrote the line about um, uh, you wear, wear your elastic heart on your chewed up sleeve. I just sort of um, I don't know. I'm sort of still. I, I get I confused as to how sort of sometimes you just get beautiful lines and other times you you struggle for days and rack your brains and, and, and the the magic doesn't work. It's, it's just weird, but I guess sometimes a line comes out that's supposed to come out. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favourite lyric on the album, actually. Um, Me too. And I, I equated the, it to being quite Lennon-esque in a way, but I'm, I'm not convinced anymore. I think there's someone else. I just can't put my finger on who would put such detail into their song. Have you guys seen the... He uh, performed at Glastonbury, and there's some solo clips of him playing this song solo, just on a guitar. Oh. It's um, yeah, it's really good. I mean, for me, I think the song has to go up there as one of the great British songs. You know, it really doesn't matter how you perform it; it just sounds superb. It sounds awesome with an orchestra by yourself with a band. Just sounds incredible. This is a clip of him playing the solo show at Glastonbury. The girl who fell to Just sounds beautiful. Beautiful. And then the next clip I have is of him playing in front of an orchestra. This is part of the Live at the Sheldonian EP that he's released, I think, just last year or so on. And the only the only thing I've got to throw out there with this one is that when he does the ooze, he finishes with a wah, and it sounds gross. Uh, but the rest of it's brilliant. On the outside. And then when I spoke to Gaz as well, he mentioned this one, and I know you're going to be happy about this, Jake. Gaz let, let us in on the inspiration for performing the song. Making that record and the last record, listening to a lot of Scott Walker, actually, in particular, and um, just yeah. how, you know, the instrumentation sits on a lot of, you know, listening to something like Scott 3, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's amazing. And, and um, love the tone and the, delivery and so it was a little bit of a kind of opportunity I guess to sort of hear the songs you know with that with that kind of approach you know take it to a different place there you go get more confirmation that Scott Walker is quite important yeah well then let's round that one out That's the best bit of the song, that, that ending note. Again, fairy tale, weird nursery rhyme, spooky. 
synth work at the end. You sit on a throne of lies. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the closing song on side A of the record is Detroit. According to friends of the show, Genius.com, Coombs has gone on record to say that this song is about drug paranoia episode while Supergrass were on tour in the USA. Yes. That's that's the story I think we all had ready to tell. Yes. So I didn't know that. Uh, um, I I don't use those sites really because it kind of ruins <laughs> kind of ruins music for me. But yeah, the, the, the word anxious is on my notes a lot, and I truly didn't know it was about that. I, I really didn't. Um, I mean, it's obvious because you know the lyrics are quite quite blatantly about anxiety, or whatever. But I just will just quickly say before you kind of run through the song, just it's it's weird because I feel like this song always. It's gonna sound weird, but it always had this this sound of like World Cup highlights. It's like it's like it's the chorus is so anthemic and massive and pulsing and so uplifting. But then obviously the lyrics are the, the antithesis of that. But when I hear this song, I just see yeah the Olympics or, or, or World Cup highlights underneath yeah. it every time. What's coming up on Sky Sports? Yeah, and and I don't mean that as a, as a derogatory term at all. Um, I but but it's just so funny, but you know, because again, listening to the lyrics, it's it's not the best thing to put over kind of celebratory highlights. But yeah, anyway, that was my little thing. Well, I've I've only really got two big notes on this one. First of all, I feel like this is Gaz Coombs's Everlong. Mm. I the best song from his second album. And I want to see him with massive hands beating people in a log cabin. He strikes me as having the sense of humor to actually film a video of that happening. Although, once again, the massive hands being done, so maybe something else like massive feet. Well, speaking yeah, speaking of all... the video, Jake, did you watch the video? Like prehensile sideburns. <laughs> no, no, I didn't actually. Not yet. Mm-hmm. I'll watch that a bit. Uh, the the video has a epic Harry Potter twist to it. Then the second bit, uh, it's just that guitar loop mm. doesn't stop mm. and absolutely makes the song because the way that everything else changes around it makes it all sound a lot more riv- rhythmically complex yeah. than it actually is. Is relentless, yeah. I think if you took that loop out, particularly in the verses, it would be um, a lot less good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot less good, absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. The layering, just the layering and the panning of guitars on this track Mm. is just something else. Really something else, the layering, the panning, so good. There's a double verse before the chorus. That seems to be a structural device that's being used quite a bit on this album. In the second mm. verse, there are some vocal harmonies which make it different and again refresh the listeners' kind of ears. There's some more inverted drone synth strings. There's a sample of an orchestra in this song. I'm not sure if you knew that. Sample of an orchestra in here, and I'll let Gaz explain how he stumbled across that. 
uh, I had a bit of audio on my on my phone, on my mobile phone. I'd, I'd been wandering around the BBC building and we had a session a few years before. And I just was wandering around the hallways, just sort of, you know, creeping into rooms and popping my head around doors. Because, you know, it's like there's hundreds of doors in the BBC building and things happening in orchestras and, and radio plays and all this sort of stuff. I walked past this room where an orchestra was kind of rehearsing. It sounded amazing. So I just kind of opened the door a little bit and just pressed record on uh, on my phone and just captured like 10 seconds of them doing this kind of like, that, that just this massive crescendo. It sounded amazing. And I found it when I when I was doing the recording, when I was recording. And I, so that, I put that in like at the start of the chorus. It was like the big, sort of like, you know, the big kind of um, crescendo to kind of kick in the chorus. Let's just hear that again. Did you catch it? Basically, Gaz Coombs stole fizzy lifting drink from the BBC. That shit. That absolute shit. He does go on to explain that he probably shouldn't have shared that. And uh, <laughs> I offered, I said, look, and I can cut it out. And to. he said, no, it's been said now. It's been said. So there's a massive, massive chorus in this song. And like Brendan said, I think that's the best way we can put it, really. It's like a Sky Sports super montage, like clips of the year sort of thing. All you need is just the occasional Alan Partridge. What does he say? Striker. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. What is it? Goal. And again. There is, and again, another massive clip of him performing this live at the Queen Elizabeth Hall, and he has like a 30 person choir backing him up. It's super impressive. He's actually made it sound better live, I think. It's not as clear there, but what the band is doing, the band have like revamped their own parts, mm. made that sound quite cool. Gaz had told us that hearing the choir for the first time nearly brought about a breakdown for him. With the choir, we did Detroit in the sound check. And we hit the chorus and they started singing. And I, I kind of I stopped singing. I kind of just almost sort of semi-broke down through sort of exhaustion, like tired exhaustion and sort of emotion of hearing. It, it was fucking insane just hearing this choir sort of sing this little chorus that I wrote and put on a record, it was just, um, it was mind-blowing and it really knocked me to six, actually, and I couldn't sort of carry on for a little bit. I like how he calls it a little chorus. Absolutely massive. But that's the thing. That's, that's a, it's a really interesting thought to have, though, because he probably did just have it in his room on an acoustic guitar or piano, and it was just a small thing of him singing on a, recording it on a voice memo on a phone, and it, it's see that journey, is no wonder you kind of look behind you and go, shit, they're, they're singing that chorus I wrote. This is... You know, yeah, it's amazing. No, absolutely. The chorus is structurally quite similar to Let It Down by Beatle George Harrison on his 1970 solo debut, All Things Must Pass. 
pass. The structure is A-A-B, as in they sing a phrase, they repeat the phrase, then they sing a new phrase while there's a descending R's in the background. And then this is Gaz Coombs. It was the 50th anniversary of the George Harrison record the other day, so I had it on in the afternoon. That song came on and I just, I was almost singing that song but singing the Gaz Coombs lyrics over it. And it just happened instinctively. I didn't <laughs> think, have to think about it, but yeah. Uh, so to begin the oh. outro, there is a massive texture breakdown, only the plucked guitar, although it's quickly joined by like a mono synth line. <laughs> Which is quite nice. And that, that synth just keeps carrying on and carrying on. Then he builds up the texture with the ooze. And then you, well, just when you think that this song is over, but wait, there's more. There's another monosynth part. And so, in relation to the outro, um, it doesn't build like this song, but it very much reminds me of um, Deus, the band Deus, uh, Instant Street, which is, yeah, you, you, you listen to the outro and you'll go, oh God, yeah. Um, mm. Personally, one of my favourite songs of all time, just a little, little Brendan factoid there, but <laughs> it just kind of has that kind of rhythmic quality, that kind of pulsing, constant beat that I really love. In the same way that that song by Deer Hunter, that you know, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And oh, like the motoric beat. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that. Like, uh, this this could just go on for another five minutes, you know, for me. Mm. Mm. No, I'm with so, you. So on you that. get lost in it a little bit, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> and yeah, that's that's a big thing for me. I've always talked about, with, especially with Jake, bands that just keep repeating the same thing like the same riff the same beat and everything for like three or four minutes at the end mm. it just it's just the same thing i really really like it when they do that jake do you remember when we played at the old blue last uh yes sadly yes yeah, sadly the guardian <laughs> sessions hosted gaz coombs to do some performances at the old blue last and this was <laughs> this was actually after we played at the old blue last so Following in our footsteps, much Gaz. He. To be fair, I think yeah. quite a lot of people have played the old blue last. It's uh... yeah, all right, all right. You know, let me have this one, please. So he, he live, he does some really cool like vocal effects using the space echo, the Roland space echo. And to finish this song, I've cut a clip from the Guardian sessions at the old blue last.
good was that? Mm, neat. Yeah. Mm. So the next song then is Needle's Eye. Yet another intro that really kind of just captivates me, this one. It has That's been so claimed good, that Neil Finn, friend of the show, is the master of writing bridges, but I doth proclaim that Gaz Coombs writes an incredible introduction. He does. Yeah. And uh, I feel like this could have been on Plastic Beach. Oh. I want Snoop Dogg to come in over the top of it. Huh. Uh, yeah. And it'll be a beautiful thing. That, that makes That's perfect, yeah, perfect, point, perfect sense. Is that um, Plastic Beach by Gorillaz? Yeah. Uh, fun, fun aside. There is my dad asked me, "I want to get a Gorillas record, like an LP. Which one would you get?" And I said, "Well, Plastic Beach, absolutely. It's like my my favorite Gorillas album." So he got it, and he said, "No, this is rubbish." Where's Where's the one <laughs> with the um? Yeah. Where's the one with the monkeys on it? The um, you know, bum 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 bum. Gorillas. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, that's the other one, but I don't like that and one East as West. much." Well, why didn't you tell me to get that one? Well, because you asked me what my decision <laughs> was. Anyway, sometimes it's the album tracks like this one that really kind of allow artists to focus on things such as panning. And this track has some incredible panning in it. The synth is in the right ear and the punky guitar is in the left ear. Really like that. A lot of energy happening there. Yeah, that guitar. I mean, that's. I think that's something that we've talked about in our band a lot, isn't it? That kind of Johnny Greenwood jangly guitar. Yeah. Um, mm. And he, that's that's just the perfect. That's it. he nails it. He nails mm. that playing. It's really, it's really great. When the vocals come in, the timbres switch from a shrill synth to a rounder, warmer bass. Don't you just love the way the drums come out for only one line of the verse and sweep back in with that kind of swooping fill? Really like that. Wasn't it friend of the show, Graham Jake, from Tokyo Police Club telling us about those little tricks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless that got edited out. Uh (laughs) Possibly. That was a monster episode. And... Obviously, if it did get edited out, it's all available on the live stream, which is on Facebook. Well, half of it's available on the live stream. Well, uh, yeah, but he was talking about that stuff when I was there, so that'd be the oh, okay, the half, the half. Yes, yeah. Pub is also very big on those little things as well. More female backing vocals in the chorus. And I really like the way that Gaz kind of finally ventures away from the homorhythmic backing vocals in the latter half of the chorus. Just nice little kind of textural things like that. And then, of course, my last note for this one. Yes, Siri.
And that's that one. I've got two things to say. Yeah, come on then. I guess I'll say them. Yeah. At one minute and 12 seconds, there's just such a cool guitar chord change. It, it's it's quite subtle. Um, but man, it with headphones on, I had these noise-canceling headphones on yesterday and listened to it. And there's just this note change on the guitar and it's just right before the chorus at one minute and 12 and it just sounds so cool. Uh, yeah, that was good. And also, uh, just uh, I guess the Arcadia is waiting thing. Obviously, I did a 10 second Google. Mm-hmm. What actually is Arcadia? It's like, you know, perfection. It's kind of away from the world. It's whatever, you know, that kind of idea. Um, but then it's that solid state life, which um, he, well, he says solid state life. The, that voice says that, that phrase later on in the song. And I Googled that and I didn't find anything. I just thought that was quite an interesting. You know, solid state drive obviously is what that's going for. But yeah, I don't. Is he saying that he wants to kind of go into the the ether? The the I don't know. Does he want to transpose his soul into the internet or something? I don't. I don't uh, really know because that's become the lawnmower man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it's just it's quite interesting here. idea. Mixing that with the idea of Arcadia. Yeah, I thought that was quite cool. Sorry, Arcadia is like a utopia. Is that is that what I read into that? Well, yeah, I think so. Again, I, this is my ten second Google, but. Mm. I th- it's along those lines, and then if you t- pair that with the idea of a solid state life, mm. assuming he's pairing that with technology escape or something, I don't know. This is just me just rambling on, but uh, no, it's interesting stuff though. Something to think about, I guess. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. a lot of uh, dystopian writing with Year Nine English classes at the moment, so I'm right into that sort of stuff. Mm. They're not mm. as into mm. 1984 as I am, which is a real shame. Let's round that one out then. Let's round that one out. That was Needle's Eye. Nice. Yeah, that again, that bit could go on for another two minutes for my liking. Absolutely. I'm totally with you there. And that drum sound is just incredible. The next song is Seven Walls. The introduction is actually not so interesting on this one. Although it serves its purpose and it mellows us all out. Let's climb up to seven walls. There's some... Interesting kind of drumming in there, though. It almost almost sounds like um, body percussion on the guitar. Let's climb up to seven walls. There's a really cool arpeggiated synth line that comes in. I really don't like it in that part. I find it really distracting. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of detracts on the overall grandeur mm. of the whole thing. Personally, with this this uh, origin of symmetry style, yeah, like space dementia, yep, synth going on. So I'm fairly confident it is just the same synth and arpeggiator. Yeah, <laughs> that they use it's that uh, it's actually it's quite uh, funny. You bring up Matt Bellamy. He's coming up later, by the way. Yeah, ah, yeah, good. yeah, good. So we build up to a brutal and eruptive climax. Lights, 
And yeah, I I agree with you. Sometimes it is a bit distracting having the having the uh, thing in the the arpeggiator. <laughs> yeah, it's very muse. Just in one ear as well. It's really like yeah. I will say um, again, my ten second Google. I'm no expert, but I think the Seven Walls are from a manga or an anime called The Promised Neverland, and uh, the Seven Walls are I think like some kind of alternate dimension or purgatory or limbo I, i'm not quite sure but again it kind of it, it feels like it's fitting coming after the needle's eye arcadia is waiting stuff yeah is it a wall for each circle of hell <laughs> something like that and also I, I like the kind of the anxiety that kind of rides through it as well along with detroit with don't step on the cracks it's just like a, a lovely mm. um mm. Well, allegedly, yeah, like friends that. of the show, Genius.com, seem to think that this is about his meeting his wife. Yeah, I, I read that as well. Yeah. But seven Walls, I mean, if you, if you just type in Seven Walls, it, it, it kind of only comes up with the, the manga and the anime, The Promised mm. Neverland. Mm. So I'd like to sort of... Well, it's, quite, it's, just, it's just interesting imagery all around, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Okay, well, then let's round that one out. So we then head into Oscillate, which is back to the fantastic intros. Don't hate me here, but I feel like Gaz has been taking points from Ed Sheeran. On this one, take it all, take it all away, far away. don't hate me, but that's what it sounds like. Although he has taken it a step huh. further, and he's looping his vocals and almost performing like a round by himself. Take it all, take it all. Quite, quite a cool idea. So your right ear is picking up the new sounds and your left ear is picking up the old sounds. Bit of a gimmick, in a way. I feel I think it's a cool thing to do, but it, it does come across as like, you know, that, that is the only purpose of this song being here. It's a muck about with cool studio tricks. Well, yeah. There's a nice kind of saw synth. I think it's a saw wave. To ease some of the tension or add to the tension. That sound like a saw wave? Kind of hard to tell through Zoom. Yeah, fair enough. Be honest with you. Fair enough. And then, as well, I haven't got any more notes apart from the ending. So, did you have anything to say on that one? I have exactly zero notes for this one. I, for whatever reason, this one and the next one, I just didn't put any notes down. I I Hmm. don't know why. They, yeah, I think uh, it's one of my favorite tracks tracks of the record. And, um, uh, I really like this. It's almost Middle Eastern percussion in the background. I'm not quite sure. 
Yeah, I put that. It sounds again like slapping well, a, an acoustic guitar sound body. Is, but it sounds good. I love the yeah. vocals at two minutes and twenty. Yeah, the vocals at two twenty are just really great and powerful. That's that's all I've got really. Okay, as we listen to the end, it sounds like eat like or like a part of the drum drum loop is made up out of like body percussion on the guitar. Although I actually kind of prefer your way of thinking, Brendan, that it's like a Middle Eastern sort of percussion. Take a walk in your eyes, far away. Take a walk in your eyes, far away. The next song is To the Wire. Yeah, I love that. Love that. To the Wire. Let's see if we can get this. Yeah. So I was disappointed, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you can figure out why. I thought that "To the Wire" was going to be more Were about. Were you expecting it to be the theme tune to the Wire? He's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. Good call, Jake. You have chosen wisely. <laughs> I counted this song as do I win? six What's four. Yeah. Which is quite unusual. Have a listen. That sounds six mm. four, right? Quite unusual. Oh, here we go, Jake. Now in the last song it seemed like Gaz was taking notes from Ed Sheeran, but now it seems to be that he's taken notes from Matt Bellamy of Muse. A hanging photograph, edge of the trees to California. It's two songs back to back with our good friend, the arpeggiator, is yeah. back. <laughs> uh, how would you say aggressive use you know, of what arpeggiation? The arpeggiator, the living statue. And crusty jugglers. <laughs> <laughs> I have a muse clip as well, somewhere. I still think crusty jugglers is a great name for a band. Yes, like crusty jugglers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where my muse clip is. I'm sure I put it on here somewhere. Go to Brighton any day of the week, and you'll find ten crusty jugglers <laughs> in any park, and at least two living statues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So there's more backing vocals and an added. Glockenspiel in the chorus. Stay in my heart, outside your heart to find. I quite like that chorus. I like those vocals. Yeah. There's a really nice guitar oh, yeah, I line. I forgot how good this song is, actually. <laughs> yeah. There's a really nice guitar line coming in and out during the second verse. Just that little boo doo 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 doo. So quite mm -hmm. nice. I like that. And then Gaz said that this was probably the hardest song to actually get down in the studio. I'll let him explain it. Yes. Um, the Wire was an absolute bastard. You know, it just, it, it, well, it comes on two moments. At the, the, the very start, I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Um, it was kind of on piano. Based around a piano and a drum loop, 
but I, I just got this little um, four bar loop. Uh, but then as I started to sort of piece it together and started to fill it out and to kind of turn it into a, um, a, a production, if you like, a proper, um, you know, what I would have wanted for the record, it just started to get really messy, really messy. And, and I had too many ideas about how to deliver the different sections. So I can imagine that that would have been quite difficult to put together because there's a lot of moving parts in that song. I, I don't have anything else to say for that one. I've got some buzzwords. I think it's powerful, energetic, and quite forceful. Something about the way he delivers the lines. It kind of sounds like desperate. It's, um, I, I really like it. When he talks about California, that, that line there, something about it, the way he delivers it. It's really, really cool. Okay, let's, uh, let's round that one out. The next song is, is it on? A 30-second... My notes just say yes, let's move <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, what, what is even the point of talking about this one? But I, I have to admit that I was stretching to find notes for this one, and all I could find was, because of the use of the egregious use of banjo, has he been listening to Mumford & Sons? Oh... And with that, let's round that one out. <laughs> yeah, that's I, that's my least favorite trait. I, I, oh. It's Inception. <laughs> when Bruce Willis bursts out of the elevator like, die hard, motherfucker! <laughs> and then he shoots, shoots Alan Rickman. Yeah. That's what happens, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like we're walking along the thin red line. <laughs> Just like, boo. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about that trope of... I haven't actually got any notes for this one. Oh, I do. Come on then. Go for it. Yeah. That's um, why I brought again, you on, Brendan. My, uh, this is my sort of third time on the show. That's my third time on the show, and I kind of talk about the theatrical nature or the, the kind of narrative nature of the records, the way that they kind of sound like an ending. Uh, I think this definitely sounds like the last song. Uh, mm. It's quite mournful. I, I love the organ work. I, I, I actually really, really like this track. I, I love the lo-fi percussion, and it sounds like it's recorded on a phone, which I, I think this is great. I really love the vocals at 38 seconds. The delivery and the placement, I think, is really nice. I think it's just a really nice little track. And again, it just it just feels like an ending. And I also really appreciate the uh, the whole album ends with the word Matador in the lyrics. I think it's just like a nice little touch. It's, it's kind of like wrapping a bow on it, which I, I really appreciate. Right. And here we are then at the final questions. Question time. So we'll start with you, Brendan. What is your favorite track on this record? And we'll try to pretend that you didn't tell us earlier. (laughs) 
It's the Buffalo. No, it's the English Ruse. Really? That that was the song I really played over and over and over and over and over and over again. It was a song that I kind of put on before going out for a night out. It had this just got me amped up and I don't know why. I I love it. I I have to agree with pretty much all of that. I think it's just oozing energy, that song. Jake, for you? Detroit, Gaz Coombs, massive sideburns that he uses to beat people in a log cabin. <laughs> Boom. Got it. You got done. it. With a little bit of super sort Sunday. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I got to go predictable, predictable here. I've got to go for the girl who fell to earth. I think it's sweet, cool. it's simple, and it's stunning. Next question. If you had to get anybody to cover any of these songs, who would it be and why? Who's going first? You go well, first. You go first, Jake. Well, the obvious answer is uh, always the best answer. It's always uh, raise your head. Why not? Just any of them. Just get them to do any of them. That's the obvious answer. That's the cop-out answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, it's not the answer that we're going to give. Instead, I'm going to say I want to listen to uh, Metronomy do a version of the English Ruse. Hmm. Yuck. Metronomy. Metronomy. Whoa. You remember Metronomy? I do. I saw them live. They opened up for someone and they were disgusting. <laughs> That's a very ambiguous way of discuss of, of uh, describing a show because that can even be like it was disgusting i loved mm, it no. or oh it's disgusting no no it was like <laughs> i can't oh they opened up for blur that's who they opened up for huh in Choice. one of the hyde park yeah. gigs and they just they looked terrified to be on that stage they for the whole oh, 45 minute set or whatever it was the singer just had this look of he's just absolutely pooed himself like opening for Blur. Yeah. Why? Oh, well, exactly. See, that's oh, that's part of it. I'm sure they're a good band. I'm sure they're in their element. They are absolutely fine. But yeah, they were just so far out of their element on that day. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. I, I must have gone on the day before you then. The high Park, the Crystal Castles and Foles, I think that's it was. Oh, Why Crystal Castles? Well, it was, it, it yeah, was a this weird. Was, uh, this was fairly recent. One of the British summertime gigs. Oh, I... Oh no! I saw I saw them at their big reunion gig in two thousand and nine. I think it was or something. Oh, mate, I've I've got that show. Yeah, on again, DVD. Crystal Castles. I've it was it was it so, so many times. Are you strange. are you one of Jake's friends that's on the cover? Is yeah. that you? I was with I'm I was the only one that was with Jake. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Jake Megan. <laughs> yeah, I was there. He he got sort of pushed to the front of the crowd. Yeah. He looks like he's asleep. <laughs> yeah, and he was. We were like eighteen. I mean, we, we it was it was an incredible gig because it was just like frantic and insane. And he got pushed to the front. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good back here." <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that that was, was an he, incredible he got, gig. You know, yeah. shot into infamy. So, who would you like to see cover one of these songs? I'm going to hear a cover of "Is It On" <laughs> um, by. <laughs> Taylor Swift. I, I, I'm terrible at these questions. I, this question, I don't know. I never have a good answer, so there you go. That's what, my answer. What bands famously have a banjo? Obviously, it's the Eagles doing a cover of Is It On. Hey. Yeah. Or oh, doesn't Steve, whoa, whoa, Steve Martin whoa. play the banjo? That's my favourite sound of all. That's my favourite <laughs> media sound. And, and and have you got the Jaguar like... <laughs> that <one>? Oh, <laughs> that no, would be a good shout. Yeah, no, I've got... The Jaguar yeah. and... Yeah. And the bear as well. We need to stop yeah. bear noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, for me, oh, yeah. 
Do you know what? I mean, this this is more cop out than any of your any of your suggestions, Jake. I'd actually like to hear Supergrass do one of these songs. <laughs> because okay, that is a cop out. Yeah, that's a massive cop out. <laughs> what I'd really like to hear is I'd like to hear Gaz Coombs do this. <laughs> Go yeah, back but to it's his more about and... actually having the band but, there as well. But rather than having the guy, rather than having the guys that he's hired to come and do it, we'll just get the other guys he used to play in a band with. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying that would be. I'd actually. I would like to hear their take on it. Is all I'm saying. The Phoenix Foundation would do an awesome, awesome English ruse, I think. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. So, Jake, where do you rank this Matador 2015 by Gaz Coombs in your top 10? Do you rank it, I should say, but let's be honest, where do you rank it? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Hey-oh. Sorry, I was, sorry, let's try it again. One. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Ah, 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 ah. I'm not going to do the full thing, but you, you get the joke. Yeah. I am going to place this at number two. Wow. Houses. Yep. I absolutely adore at least half of this album. You know, half of this album is probably some of the best. In fact, I would I would hazard a guess. You know, Jake, we talked about this when Jack was on talking about Adger. I like to listen to LPs in sides. Mm. So I, I put on a side of one one LP and then grab another LP, put it on another side. And I would hazard a guess to yeah. say Matador is probably one of the finest full sides of an album out there. Nice. Not a bad That's track. Fair enough. That's a good shout. Yeah. Brendan, does it? Where, where does it cut? Does it come in your your lifetime top ten? Mmm, nice. Or I, I I really really love this album, but I I don't think it breaks the top ten. Um, I've got to say, I for better or worse, I think World's Strongest Man is a better album. I prefer it. I I listened to World's Strongest Man the other day a week, a week ago on the train, and every single song just hit. Are you just trying to set up for a and sequel just, here? Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Matador's a fantastic, fantastic album. Uh, for what it's worth, it's number one of my three that we've done. So, <laughs> <laughs> cool. But yeah, I, I, I do think that his follow-up, the third album, is, is is something I prefer. I don't know if it's better or worse. That's just opinion, but I prefer it. Um, yeah. Okay, and then chaps, the final question then is Matador by Gaz Coombs from 2015. A sound purchase. Yes. You have yes. Wisely. Jake, you're gonna have to do yours again. I'll just cut you off. Yes. You have chosen wisely. <laughs> I yeah, think it's, it's in the banks, in the archives. Unanimous, yeah. So once again, uh, if you want to hear the full Gaz Coombs interview, you can hear it at www.asoundpurchase.com that is asoundpurchase.com if you want to support us and support the show and everything like that you can go to asoundpurchase.com and click on the merch store grab yourself some cool swag i don't think we are selling any pants or assless chaps jake um but i will i'll get the people onto it and we'll see what we can come up with you know i'm maybe hear me out if we get assless chaps, then we're going to need a model, Jake. That's all I'm saying. Well, 
Brendan, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. I am Stefan and this is A Sound Purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Thanks to Brendan for stopping by, offering his expertise in pop knowledge. And to Gaz Coombs, who not only put up with my spotty internet, but also put up with my questions. If you want to hear the interview in full, you can go to asoundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S and sign up to become a friend of the show, where you will be able to hear the interview in its entirety. He was a really cool guy. He even actually wished my year 11s a good time with their composition and said it's not too long now. So what a dude. You can show your appreciation for this episode when you like us, review us, share us, and subscribe to us. Each engagement makes this effort all the more worthwhile. And the best way to grow this podcast is still through word of mouth. Your support is greatly appreciated. Check the show notes and up-to-date top tens list and other musings at asoundpurchase.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle soundpurchasepod. You can support us by getting yourself a Sound Purchase t-shirt, hoodies, mugs, and stickers by going to asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop. Other episodes of A Sound Purchase are available at all of your favorite podcast platforms. Once again, subscribe to be a friend of the show where you will gain access to a hidden corridor on our website that contains exclusive blog posts, the Hall of Top Tens, special friend of the show merch options, and bonus pods including the recent Sum 41 getting into we've taken the blog series and turned it into a podcast if you've been wanting to listen to Sum 41 but you just aren't sure where to go listen to the bonus pod of getting into Sum 41 and I'll tell you five songs that can get your journey started there is still talk of Jake's threatened plastic palace people dishes washing up mashup video as well as his very own splinter pod, Purchase. Subscribe now for free. It costs you nothing at asoundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S. If you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store to pick up a copy of Gaz Coombs' 2015 Mercury Prize nominated, Ivan Novella nominated, Masterpiece, Matador. Support local art and local businesses.